I was so proud of my humility till Carlos spoke today. <laughs> Man, I don't know about you guys, but when, you re- when I read through the list, I thought, wow, there's a lot of areas where God still needs to work in my life to t- tear down the walls of pride. The, um, I want to talk today about purity, which is a prerequisite to receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, that hymn that we just heard is a real good one about showers of blessing, because I know we all really want the blessing of the Holy Spirit in our life, don't we? Amen. And we want the blessing of the latter rain. So what might be blocking us or preventing us from receiving that? You know, I want to talk about a missionary today by the name of John Hyde. <laughs> Let's, let's do that one again. What is mm, I don't think so. Nah, thanks. All right. Are we on? Once again, the name is John Hi Hi Hyde. <laughs> okay. How many of you have heard of John Hyde before? No one? Okay. Um, this is one of his ma- mantras. He said, Give me souls, O God, or I die. Give me souls, or I die. He was a great missionary to India in the early 1900s, turn of the century. And does anybody know what his nickname was? Praying Hyde, that's right. Now, did he start off with that nickname? No, he didn't. It came over time. You know, when he was in missionary, he prayed for great revivals, and God granted that request. In 1908, he he said to the Lord, and he prayed to the Lord fervently, that I would like to save one soul a day for India. And at the end of the year, 400 people had been baptized. The next year, he said, I want to double that, And I want to pray for two souls a day. And by the end of that year, 800 souls were baptized. And so on and so forth. Until his health was so bad, partly because he um, spent so much time in prayer that he didn't get much sleep. This is what he said in one letter. "Have Have felt led to pray for others this winter as never before. I never before knew what it was to work all day and then pray all night before God for another. In college or at parties at home, I used to keep such hours for myself or pleasure. And can I not do as much for God and souls? Isn't it true that prayer should lead us to receiving the Holy Spirit? And if we're not through our prayers, there's, there's a breakdown somewhere. John Hyde was filled with the Holy Spirit and he, ex- he experienced mass revivals in India. But was there any obstacles to him receiving the Holy Spirit? And I, my question to you today is, is there any obstacles in your life that are, rece- that are preventing you from receiving the Holy Spirit? I want to read just an excerpt of what John Hyde wrote about his experience before he received the Holy Spirit. How many of you have heard of the book, The Kneeling Christian by an Unknown Christian? It's an excellent book, and I encourage you to read it sometime. This is what he said. He was actually on a ship heading to India as a brand new missionary. And while he was on the ship, he received a letter. 
My father had a friend who greatly desired to be a foreign missionary, but was not permitted to go. The, this friend wrote me a letter directed in care of the ship. I received it a few hours out of New York Harbor. The words were not many, but the, but the purport of them was this. I shall not cease praying for you, dear John, until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. When I read that letter, I crumpled it up in anger, and I threw it on the deck. Did this friend think that I had not received the baptism of the Spirit, or that I would think of going to India without this equipment? I was angry, but by and by, judgment, better judgment prevailed, and I picked up the letter and read it again. Possibly I, I did need something which I had not yet received. I paced up and down the deck, a battle raging within. I felt uncomfortable. I loved the writer. I knew the holy life he lived, and down in my heart there was a conviction that he was right and that I was not fit to be a missionary. This went on for two or three days until I felt perfectly miserable. At last, in a kind of despair, I asked the Lord to fill me with the Holy Spirit. And the moment I did this, I began to see myself and what a selfish ambition that I had. Is it possible to have selfish ambition even when we're serving God full time? But he did not, John Hyde did not receive the blessing he sought at that time. He landed in India and went with a fellow missionary to an open air service. And then he continues, the missionary spoke and I was told that he was speaking about Jesus Christ as the real savior from sin. When he had finished his address, a respectable looking man speaking good English asked the missionary whether he himself had been thus saved. The question went home to my heart, for if it had been asked of me, I would have had to confess that Christ had not fully saved me because I knew there was sin in my life which had not yet been taken away. I realized what a dishonor, dishonor it would be on the name of Christ to have to confess that I was preaching a Christ that had not delivered me from sin, though I was proclaiming to others that he was a perfect savior. I went back to my room and shut myself in and told the Lord that it must be one of two things. Either he must give me victory over all my sins, and especially over the sin that so easily beset me, or I must return to America and seek there for some other line of work. I said I could not stand up to preach the gospel until I could testify of its power in my own life. I realized how reasonable this was, and the Lord assured me that he was able and willing to deliver me from all sin. He did deliver me, and I have not had a doubt of this since. It was then and only then that John Hyde became Praying Hyde, and that was what he was known by, was Praying Hyde. How would you like that to be your first name? And it is only by such a full surrender and such a definite claiming to be delivered from the power of sin in our lives that you and I can be men of prevailing prayer. You know, we spoke earlier today about Jesus' prayer in John 17 for his disciples, his last prayer as a free man. Well, in the chapter before John 17 and John chapter 16, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And right after Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, in John 17, he prayed for his disciples to be sanctified by the truth of the Lord. Let's look at that um, prayer a little in, more, in a little more detail today. Um, John chapter 17, let's turn to verses 15 and 19. 
15 actually through 19. Again, this is the chapter right after Jesus promises to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. John 17, 15 through 19. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified through truth, through the truth. I think there's a message uh, in these two chapters for us, lots of messages, but the message I want to focus in on is that in order for the disciples and for us to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we need to really examine our own lives and ask the Lord, are we really sanctified? Have we been sanctified to the core of our being? Because God cannot truly pour out the Holy Spirit in full measure until we have put away known sin in our lives, until we have pure hearts. There are some texts that back this up. Uh, I just want to go over a few of those texts. Let's look at Psalms 66, 18 through 20. Psalms chapter 66, 18 through 20. And this really kind of dovetails into what Melody was talking about, how we need to be willing to surrender to the Lord. Because we can't really receive the Holy Spirit until we surrender all our sins to God, right? What does the Bible say? About, um, about the situation where we refuse to give up sin in our lives. It's, the Lord gives us some pretty stiff texts that talk about that. Um, Psalm 66, 18 through 20. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. That's um, kind of scary in a way, isn't it? If we regard iniquity in our heart, God will not even hear our prayer. Now, this is different than someone that comes to the Lord and says, hey, you know, I'm struggling with sin. I want to give up sin. But, I'm, I, you know, all I can do is pray that you'll take it away, Lord. But if we knowingly rebel against God and refuse to give up known sins in our life, God will turn off his ears from hearing our prayer. Now, is that because God doesn't love us? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God loves us so much that these promises are for our own good. Let's look at another text. Um, 1 John 3, 21 through 22. Um, 1 John chapter 3, 21 through 22. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. I don't know about you, friends, but I, I don't want God to, con to look at my heart with condemnation. Um, and the good news is, you know, I don't want to just end on bad news here. I mean, the good news is, 
is that God gives us the power to overcome our sins and to give us a pure heart. Remember what he told the disciples? He wants to sanctify our hearts. And he does that through the power of his word. And so, just like Jesus when he was in the wilderness and the devil tempted him, what did Jesus do? Did he just give in or give up? Thus saith the Lord, right? It is written. Now imagine when the, when the devil came to Jesus. Now I would have had a real hard time with this one, okay, after fasting for 40 days, all right? The most I've ever fasted was for five days, and I had orange juice during that time, okay? But imagine going 40 days with nothing but water. Anyway, um, the devil comes to Jesus, and he says, turn these stones into bread. Now what would happen if Jesus would have started thinking in his, in his mind, um, boy, I wonder what that, those stones would taste like if, um, if they were bread. Um, maybe even put a little butter and honey on them. <laughs> right? What if he just said, what would it feel like right now to have a full stomach? Do you know if Jesus would have let his mind wander like that, we would be lost today. But instead, as soon as the devil tempted him, he nipped it in the bud with scripture. How many times do we fail with sin because we let our imagination run wild instead of going right to Scripture and claiming the promises of God to purify us? I read a book that challenged me to start keeping track of promises of victory over sin because I, know, I knew there were some promises there where I didn't know how prevalent they were and how certain they are, but it's all throughout Scripture. You can't get away from complete promises for, for victory, complete victory over sin. Like John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In that very prayer that we've been talking about. One of my favorite promises is found in 1 Peter 2, 4. I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1, 4. And this really hits the nail on the head here. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Okay, the promises of God's word. You know, you've heard people say, well, I'm only human, so that's the excuse to sin. But the Bible says we can be partakers of the divine nature. That no longer do we need to use that excuse, I'm only human. It's through the power of God's word. Not through us. We're, we're miserable, blind, naked, wretched, right? But through the power of God's word, he can sanctify our hearts. And that's what he wants to do. Just want to end with a quote um, from Acts of the Apostles. From the day of Pentecost to the present time, the Holy Spirit has been sent to all who have yielded themselves fully to the Lord and to his service. Holiness is an entire surrender of the will to God. It is by living every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is doing the will of our Heavenly Father. It is trusting God in trial, in darkness, as well as in the light. It is walking by faith and not sight. It is relying on God with unquestioning confidence and resting in His love. 
God wants to hear every prayer that we offer. But if our heart is turned in rebellion against him, how can he really receive that kind of prayer? And so he wants to sanctify us. He wants to give us pure hearts so that we are fit vessels to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so as we get together and pray as a group, I want to pray that in our lives we'll examine is there anything that's preventing us from receiving the Holy Spirit? Is there any area where we have not surrendered sin to God and totally surrendered our life to Him and allowed Him to sanctify us through His truth? Um, there's a, um, another handout on heart challenges. Melody put this together. And so if you could pass that out at this time. Let me just go ahead and read number four and five, and you can read the rest on your own time later. These are challenges, um, and uh, I want to challenge you to these things. Number four, all great men of faith are known for spending hours on their knees in prayer. Why are we so reluctant when we are told that prayer is the key in the hand of faith that unlocks heaven's storehouse? Pray that God will help you to be willing to be a great man or woman of faith in prayer. Number five, God advanced his work of salvation in amazing ways on the day of Pentecost after his disciples had spent 10 days with one accord in prayer and supplication. Ellen White promises that the events of the day of Pentecost shall be repeated with even greater power in the future. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you willing to consistently find other Christians to pray with for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the latter reign in God's church? I know that... Those, dis those early disciples, when they got together, they searched their hearts and asked God, is there any wicked thing that would prevent us from being able to totally unify under your banner? And we need to do the same. That's what the children of Israel did on the Day of Atonement. Remember, there, there was only one special day of the year. There, there was a place at the very center of the, of the camp of Israel where only one person was allowed to go. Of all the thousands, if not millions of children of the Israelites, only one person was allowed to go into the most holy place, and then only even on one day a year. And it was on that day that everybody searched their heart to find out, is there any sin that I need to confess and let the Lord take away? And thank goodness the Lord does the work. Because if it was up to us, we might as well just go home in despair, right? So at this time, I'm going to turn over the uh, microphone to Melody, and I think we're going to get together and have a group prayer, consecrating our lives to the Lord.